Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We good? Excited to have everybody together today. Some, some of you, uh, if you're here with your family, I just want to welcome you. My name's Andrew. Just one of the pastors here. And some of you go to the 9 o'clock service. Some of you go to the 1050 service. And if you see somebody you don't know, just kind of introduce them, yourself to somebody as we dismiss later. And as you may not realize, y'all go to church together. Um, but glad to have everybody here together. Uh, Christmas has been special for me, Dansby, my son. It's his first Christmas, and so it's been fun so far. We're excited for just him and being together, blending old traditions and new traditions and stuff like that. Um, this morning, we're, we're going to spend just a little bit of time in God's Word in Colossians. If you happen to have your Bible today, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. Not necessarily a typical Christmas passage, but we're going to see some implications for us today. I wanted to ask, and you don't have to tell me, just think about it, um, if you've ever given or been given a bad gift. I know we all have. Um, I think a lot of times when you, you don't really know what that person likes or would really like, we tend to give that person what we would like, and 10 times out of 10, that's a bad idea. Um, unless, like, you're just like that person. Uh, but, you know, like, I remember times when I've opened gifts and I'm just, especially if it's closed, sometimes it's, they're, they're just kind of reaching. And you open it up and you're like, just like, mm, not even close. Um, and so the person's always trying to be nice and it's like, oh, you can, you can take it back, you can exchange it. And I'm, no thanks, I'll just give it away. Because <laughs> don't, don't give me an errand. To, for Christmas. Don't, don't send me to the mall for you for Christmas. I'm just kidding, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's a gamble giving gifts, receiving gifts. Uh, if, I don't know why somebody gave me a candle one time, um, but, you know, I, I have electricity, um, but uh, we're still giving can Maybe, maybe I smell bad. I don't, I don't know. Um, would, sometimes it's great because then you know what you're giving that other person next year which is, can be good. I mean, it's a gamble. But the beauty of Jesus is that he knows what we need. He knows what we need well before we even need it. And in James chapter 1, he says that every good gift comes from the Father. And the Lord, he knows what we need, and he always sends good gifts. In the Old Testament, in, in Isaiah, uh, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And today we're going to uh, this is the fourth day of Advent. We're going to be talking about peace. In the Old Testament, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Why is he called the Prince of Peace? Because through his life, death, and resurrection, God was reconciling two things that were at odds together. And unfortunately for us, we were the ones that were at odds. We were the ones that were alienated, separated from God, 2 Corinthians 5, God says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And so the reason that we need peace is because there, there's some kind of conflict, and, and we're the ones that are at odds. We're the ones that are in conflict. And so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to walk through this passage. We're, we're going to start in verse 19. 
And so it says, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are his riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so for this I tool, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. So this morning, I'm not going to keep you very long, but I'm just going to walk through this together. And I've got a couple things that I want to point out. Before we do, let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for just the time that we have to come together as the body and, and celebrate the things that you've done for us. And God, we love you, and I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding through your word today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So if we'll go back to verse 19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. It should be obvious, and may not be obvious, but it should be obvious that if Jesus is God, then he's always been God. There was never a point where Jesus became God or where he stopped becoming God. But there was a point in, in time and in life where he wasn't man. And so we've got to understand that Jesus was always God, but he wasn't always man. And when he became man, it doesn't mean that he ceased becoming God, that he lost any of his, the, the deity of God. And one theologian, not really sure who said this, but I love how he put it. He said, remaining what he was, he became what he wasn't. Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. See, God is eternal, and Jesus was with God in the beginning. And so at this point in time, he became something he was not, which was man. doesn't mean he lost any of the deity of God. He just became what he was not. And if he were to lose any of that, he would cease being God. And so it glorified God when Jesus came. And it says, verse 19, it says, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The Father was glorified when Jesus came, and he came for the purpose of reconciliation, to establish peace between two things that were at odds. And that's, that's one of the first things that we see here is that God is patiently pursuing us 
with his grace to establish peace. That's one of the purposes that Jesus came, to glorify God, but to uh, pursue us with grace to establish peace, reconciling two things, us and God, who were at odds. Verse 21, verse 20, rather, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He made peace by the blood of his cross. And in other words, though we were rebels, though we, uh, because of sin in our life, have committed treason uh, through the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, he made a way when there was not a way for us to be near him. He declares amnesty, free for all, to all who lay down their independence and come to faith in Jesus. Verse 20 says, and through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so through that, through his death and resurrection, he brings and establishes peace for us. Verse 21, he says, And you who once were alienated, separated from God, not just separated, but hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Elizabeth Ross, she's passed but when she was 71, she changed her mind and her views about God. This is, this is what she said. She says, I want to tell the world that a good God who rules the world and answers prayer is just a bunch of bull. She says, I don't believe a word of it. And this is how I picture God. I picture God saying that uh, today I'm going to give leukemia to six babies. Today I'm going to take out 10,000 people in Bangladesh through a typhoon. I'm going to increase the rate of, of cancer. But meanwhile, just because somebody asked me nicely, I'm going to reroute an earthquake just so someone can win a contestant. Do you see the hostility in mind here? How, how people, uh, apart from Christ, hate their idea of who God is. They're hostile in mind, and I believe that people without Christ feel this way towards the one true God apart from Christ. And here in Colossians, it says we were all this way. We were all once hostile in mind. We were alienated from God doing evil things while ignoring his, pursu his pursuit of grace and justice, ignoring the wonderful truth that the death of Christ obtained the grace by which he conquered that hostility. He conquered that hatefulness towards God and made us be able to love him, the one who once hated him. Verse 22, it says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present us, to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And so he's made a way for us, all who profess faith in him, and he's patiently pursuing us with his grace. He's patiently pursuing us to establish peace. And the second thing I want to point out is that 
we endure this for the sake of becoming peacemakers. What is a peacemaker? I've got uh, a definition I want to read to you. It's someone who experiences the peace of God and therefore seeks to live in peace with all others while proclaiming the gospel of peace so that others may have the joy and peace as well. What is a peacemaker? Someone who experiences the joy of God, the peace of God, and therefore seeks to live at peace with all others while proclaiming the gospel of peace so that others might have the joy and peace in believing. And just a few things as we close, a few things about uh, peacemakers. One, peacemakers proclaim the gospel. We see in verse 28, because of the, the, the relationship that Paul had with Jesus, the, the peace that was established in his life, he extends that to others. He proclaims the gospel. Verse 28, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So peacemakers proclaim the gospel. Second thing, peacemakers are led by the Spirit. Look at verse 25. It says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me. That was the Lord that led him to this calling. He was led by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And being led by the Spirit always includes bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So the children of God must be peacemakers. Because it is by the Spirit of God that we are made children of God. And the Spirit of God is the Spirit of peace. So here, we see that peacemakers proclaim the gospel. We're led by the Spirit. But then we also strive to live in harmony. Peacemakers try to build bridges. Peacemakers don't want the animosity to exist among people. They want reconciliation, wants to live in harmony. And peacemakers strive to establish peace and attempt to reconcile things or people who are at odds, just as Christ has done for us. Romans 12, 18 says, possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all so i think it's interesting in this passage that paul writes to believers to the church and he says if it's possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably live in harmony and so we pray we 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 practice we 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 long for peace we work for peace we make sacrifices for peace to exist among the fellowship of the of believers, among those outside of the church. But one thing I want to point out is that I said that peacemakers strive for to live in harmony. I didn't say peacemakers live in harmony. Because when you have conflict, when you have two people who are at odds, there's always two sides of that. There's always two sides to that. And you can't force people to live in peace. But that's why Paul says if it's possible so far as it depends on you, live in harmony. In other words, don't let the rupture of your relationship be on you. 
Now, sometimes we do things in life and we cause the conflict. Sometimes we say things or we do things that we create conflict in relationships, our friends or family members. And so what we do after that is what's important. Do we go and try to make amends and try to make things right and try to establish peace? Do we uh, go and ask for forgiveness? Or do we extend forgiveness when somebody has done something wrong to us? Do we pray for those who persecute us? Do we greet those who are our enemies? You know, peace may not come because it depends on two people. But ha- are you doing everything that God has called you to do to make sure that you are establishing peace Jesus came to establish peace, reconciling two things that are at odds, God and man, and so that all who profess faith in Christ might become sons and daughters of God. And so as we enter in that covenant relationship, we're called to extend that peace and become peacemakers ourselves, building bridges and reconciling two things that are at odds. Sometimes it's not attainable, but are you doing what's necessary to extend peace? So I just want to close here and ask two questions. One, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? God has come. He's made a way. He was born. The Word became flesh for the purpose of establishing peace. So have you come to put your faith in Jesus? The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you you confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is, is boss in your life, that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He came and did what he said and he came to do. It says if you believe that God raised him from the dead, he says you will be saved. This morning, if you don't have that relationship with the Lord, I want to encourage you, implore you to call on the name of the Lord. And second, what steps can you make today? Today. And I know it's Christmas time. I know sometimes it's It's tough. When, when you have uh, family members or friends that, that, that just for whatever reason can't get along, what steps can you take today in your relationships to move toward peace and harmony? Remember to trust the Lord because it's not entirely on you, but are you doing everything you can do to say, look, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm forgiving you or I'm asking for forgiveness. Can we, can we talk through this? What steps can you make today in your relationship to move toward peace? So when we enter into that covenant relationship with the Lord and we walk according to the Spirit, that's, that's, that's one of the things that we're promised, that as the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace, that God gives us peace in our life. And I don't know where you are this morning. I know it's kind of crazy with the kids. I love hearing the, it's kind of distracting, but at the same time, I love it. Um, it's awesome. But where you, wherever you are this morning, trust the Lord and walk according to the Spirit because He's going to give you peace. That's a promise. And it's, it's something that we can rest in. Psalm 23, one of the most probably um, read scriptures in, all, in, in the Psalms, says He leads me by the still waters. That's peace that He pours into our life as you follow the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to just lift up your name. Lord, thank you for uh, your work on the cross. 
and how you, you triumphantly defeated sin and death. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in here that needs that relationship with you to enter into that covenant relationship, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself and that they would respond and that they would call on your name. Lord, for us this morning as we leave and as we fellowship some more, Lord, I pray that you would lead us to make steps toward living in harmony. Lord, we know that it might not happen because it takes two people, it takes two sides, but help us to do everything in our power to establish peace. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.